Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 336. You guys, just leave it alone. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. To my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Coming up later on in this episode of Box Cutters, we're going to review the new show from... Uh, oh, Jack look, it's, it's pretty much from everywhere, but let, it's let's, from say, television. let's say it's, it's from television, television yeah. but it is, it, it's being called Jane Campion's show, yeah. Top of the Lake. You've probably heard about it. You might have seen it. You might not have. We're going to tell you about it because we have or haven't. You'll find out later on in the show. We've also got some thoughts from the Logies. Uh, I, I know that we said we were never going to do the Logies ever again. Not after that red carpet shenanigans. Ever again. And yet, Devil's Avocado! Yay! John, you're, uh, you're, you're bringing a Glenn, a, a Glenn segment. Oh, I think it was... Or as I, as I like to call them, Glenn A Glenn I, I thought I thought it was brilliant, actually, Devil's Avocado. But it's actually not from me. It's actually from two of our listeners. But I'll oh, get to that later on. I can't show. wait. Yeah. We've got some letters to box cutters. We've got one thing. We've got pork... Did anyone else see the Logies? No. Brett, did you no. uh, did you watch Logies? No. I did. I did feel at the time that I was all alone. The only one. Mm. Even the tweets. Oh. I saw complaints that the tweets weren't you know, vicious enough this year. Like even the, <laughs> even the tweeting had stopped. Were they allowed to tweet from the floor? <laughs> are, are they allowed? Is there like a rule? Do you sign a, a confidentiality yeah, agreement that no one can? Stop, yeah. really? <laughs> uh, Will Anderson is not allowed to. to uh, my understanding is he's not allowed to go to the Logies anymore because uh, he won't promise to not tweet. <laughs> So the first rule of the Logies is you do not talk about the Logies. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think actually explains a lot. Actually, you know what, we're, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters news and talk about that. So if you don't want people to talk about the Logies, maybe, uh, you know, and, until they have aired, I'm guessing. I'm guessing after they've aired, you want everyone talking about the Logies. Or while, if or while they're airing as well, If you're probably. Bauer or the Logies or John Logie Baird or, yeah, you want people talking about it while they're airing, but not the bits that haven't aired yet. You don't want them talking about those things. Then maybe don't leak your own stuff to newspapers who can't be trusted about when they publish. So tell me more, because I didn't follow any of this, but I saw the word embargo being used angrily. So what, what was embargoed? <laughs> embargo! And, and why? What, what are we talking about? So the, the newspapers are given uh, the results of the Gold Logie winner and, and some of the other Logies so that they can write their reports and have you know the front page the next day being uh, Ashley Ketty won the gold Logies. But are so they well ahead of it happening in real time? Yes. Are they not live, the Logies? The, no. Not are the, they not? No. Oh, no, the, the, the awards the awards are... Have they gone back to being live? Well, they're, they're about 20 minutes delayed. But the newspapers are given the, uh, the results about three hours early. Okay. So uh, pr- probably when the envelopes are printed, the information goes out to the press, which doesn't happen with other awards shows. It, it happens with the Logies. And if you're wanting to keep it secret, don't give it to people who are then going to put it on the internet and uh, have to be trusted to make sure their cron jobs are running on time. <laughs> the, it, it's just not going to work that way. So uh, one paper, I think, had re- revealed it at 8.45 on their website. Uh, the other thing is uh, a, a lot of papers had – it was embargoed up until 11.59 
on the Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And the uh, and, and the screening didn't end. The, the television version did not end until 12.30. Mm-hmm. The oh. gold Logie wasn't given out until like 12.20. Oh, I guess a half an hour after the embargo had run out anyway. Yes. The show had gone over so long that they had ruined their own embargo. Wow. Mm-hmm. Although, as you pointed out in last week's show, no one actually cares anymore. No, except for, except for them and the people winning them. Okay. So the, the people organising the Logies and the people winning the Logies, and I'm guessing Channel 9, who, who host it, uh, they care a, a lot. And when I, when I worked in television, people loved winning Logies. It was, it, it was a big thing to, it's to nice win to win Logie. things. So, so what was the... What was the what, <laughs> you know, and then you can put them on eBay years later. What was the real lifetime that it was announced in the room? I don't know or care. This makes a big difference uh, because it, if it was announced, been... if it was announced in the room before midnight, then it's okay. But if people are online from the floor, no, people people were talking about it. So people news. were talking about it in the room before it had been announced. So they knew. So they knew. That's terrible. It's just it's, why bother? Like, really, why why bother with any of it? Why bother with any of the secrecy? Why can't we just have? Uh, and the, and the big thing is the gold logie. Everyone thinks about the gold logie as being this, this you know, love it, magnificent... It's the Australian happen- television event of the year, Josh. But the gold There's logie... There's no denying that. But the gold logie is a popularity contest. The gold logie is basically... Uh, is less scientific than a Q score, but might help your Q score. Mm-hmm. For, for those who don't remember, a Q score is the kind of... Uh, person ratings that we use in Australia to uh, to work out which personalities are most likable and with which demographics. With the uh, recognition factor plus how people feel about them. Yes. Yep. So, uh, I, you know, I think one of the reasons that Carl Sanderlands keeps getting work is because he has an extraordinary Q score because his recognition factor is very high. So, uh, the, the Gold Logie is like a less scientific version of that. It is a popularity contest uh, based on how many uh, staff members you have uh, and how many, uh, how many issues of TV Week you can buy, uh, how many IP addresses you can fake, that kind of thing. So, so that's, that's how uh, voting for the Logies works. It is not scientific at all and it is so easily, uh, e- easily rigged. Stacked. Well, not rigged, but stacked. Yep. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a mugs game. The thing is that the most outstanding category, which is peer voted in the Logies, that stuff is still really good in the uh, and and you know that's that's uh, how you get great things like Redfern now being uh, being nominated and winning prizes. That's that's excellent. So that's uh, that's the news from the Logies. We'll get to thoughts about the Logies later, which is less about the Logies and more about the industry. But, uh, John, for two, two news items for you. Yeah. One, there is an air date for Arrested Development. No, look, look, Josh, we've talked this through. We know there's no Arrested Development ever. How many years now have we been talking about Arrested Development on this show? Ab- ab- about six. It's about six. And, 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 yeah, and we know it's clearly not happening. So in six years, Josh, it's not happening. Let it go. There's no magic new series of Arrested Development happening. There's, there's, there's an air. There's a- okay, what, what's your, and I'm doing air quotes. Air date 
May, May 26th. May 26th. Mm-hmm. Air quoting there again. May 26th. Okay, so if this mythical May 26th ever happens, then we'll see your so new season of Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do a development. That's this is the 26th of May, and this is Netflix. Netflix have said that they are going to release it on the 26th and of And it's May. the whole whole series? Is that the idea? They're putting the yep, whole series? The whole series all in one day. Mm. So, so that's exciting. If it look, happens, John, I, like I, I, no, look, look, look. In all honesty, at this point, I'm quite pleased to be proved wrong on this because it has been six years of me going, it's not going to happen. But yeah, on the other hand, it has been six years. Now I'm terrified <laughs> it's going to be shit. Okay, right. I am just, I am so terrified that it's going to be terrible. It is a lot of weight to put on one show, but I've got to admit, in one whole season, I think that actually will be better. I, I think it actually is is better for everyone. To say, he's a bunch of it. So you don't have to go, each episode has to be the most perfect thing forever. You know, yeah. I think that's a good like, point. oh, that one wasn't good. Well, let's watch another one. See if yeah, that one's good. exactly. Uh, so that's happening. The other thing that's happening is next year, at the same time as the Super Bowl, the Hallmark Channel in the US is doing a thing called the Kitten Bowl. Tell me more. <laughs> I thought this would be up your alley. <laughs> yeah. They get kittens to do tricks and like go through obstacle courses and stuff. Adorable! And then the the kittens are judged. It goes for three hours. I'll be watching every minute. It starts at 9am. Not only that, they are adoptable kittens. Even better. So you can... Some get homes, some don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just leaving it at that, that's all. So I thought thought you'd be... uh, I, I'm not convinced about the judging element. I think that's unnecessary, but I will watch kittens going through obstacles. I think that's definitely <laughs> worth watching. <laughs> and and oh, oh, and is hosted by Marie Osmond. <gasps> it's better. I know. <laughs> and in other news that you're going to be really excited about, John. <laughs> more, more, more news that you'll be really, really excited about. Uh, on the first of April, a U.S. appeals court rejected a petition by. Uh, broadcasters including NBC and News Corp and ABC and CBS to stop Aereo, the service that is very similar to Optus Now's uh, Now Band service. So, so they can't replay footage from the others on a tiny delay. Right, except right. Aereo can do that. So the, the the Court of Appeals rejected the petition. Oh, okay. So Optus now was was knocked down here, being told that they couldn't the, provide a, a rebroadcast service or, yes. or whatever it was they were defining it as. But in the US... In the US, Aereo can do it. Mm. Uh, it is a subscription service that is basically uh, meaning that people won't have to have televisions or tune into. Uh, to particular shows, and we'll be able to watch them with a tiny delay. To be fair, I don't understand why it is legal. I, I didn't understand why up just now was trying to claim it was legal because they're rebroadcasting somebody else's. Well, which is which is what the which is what the Australian court found that they yeah. were rebroadcasting somebody else's program. But the other argument, the the slightly different argument, and it is it is just on either side of of both arguments, is that somebody is recording their own program. It's it's like you're you're allowed to record a program that has gone free to air on a PVR. All you're doing is outsourcing someone pressing the record Ooh, button, okay, and then right. and then streaming that to your phone. I'm, I'm not sure. I yes, personally, I don't think I agree with that. But I can see. Okay, I see the argument. That seems yeah a bit hair splittery. 
to me. It's, it is it is a it is a hair split decision. There's there's no there is no absolute right or wrong. And when when the Australian court uh, passed down their judgment, it made perfect sense. They put it in a context that made their uh, their response perfectly sensible. The U.S. Court of Appeals have made their response perfectly sensible. You could so easily come down on either side of this argument and be right that it's a sort of thing that whoever has the most money is probably going to win right. in the end. Yep. Uh, except, uh, so in this case, Aereo gets a, 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 a stay, essentially. They, they get a stay of execution because the people who, or the companies that are going up against Aereo have a lot of money behind them. And that is the Box Cutters News. Hi, it's Pete Smith. They're not really naughty boys. They're just box cutters going about their business. That's kind of freaky, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's like, like, what, what we, we're done already? It's like pizza in the wrong place now. Oh, that's weird. And Brett, I thought, I thought you were going to play Genevieve Lemon. Ah, yes. Because uh, Genevieve Lemon stars in the new Jane Campion show, Top of the Lake. Did you have a... I had a, such thrill when Genevieve Lemon came on screen and we were like, look, it's Genevieve Lemon! Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a small role, but it was so exciting to see Genevieve Lemon. And she's great. She's really good. She she plays Bunny. Elizabeth Moss, who you might remember as uh, the president's daughter, mm-hmm. is missing, yep. is, uh, is a, a New Zealand police detective who has moved to Sydney, has come back to... Queenstown to visit her sick mother uh, and while in Queenstown is brought into a New Zealand investigation about uh, a child who has been uh, raped and is now pregnant. She's brought in to investigate because she specialises in, I don't want to say she specialises in child rape, but she specialises in, in cases like this. Meanwhile, in this, in this small town in New Zealand, uh, there is also a, a family of uh, ne'er-do-wells. We just we know that they are rough as guts. One of the sons, it is, it is a patriarchal family, one of the sons uh, has a tattoo all across his skull. That's how we know. They believed that they were the, uh, the rightful owners of a piece of land uh, a, a little further up from the property they currently uh, they currently have, uh, and discover that that has been bought out from under them by a group of women who are using it to heal themselves. That land is called Paradise, and their leader is a woman named GJ, played by Holly Hunter. That's oh, and also David Wenham is a cop. Yeah, mm, yeah. That's that, that's pretty much how the show goes. Also, David Wenham is a cop. Can, can I say, though, you trying to sort of just tie this down to being actual plot points. It's weird hearing you say that loud because it seems to miss the point entirely of the show. Like, I know. Yeah. Because the, the, the show is not really about the the story and, and a, a way to describe the show. Lindell keeps talking about it as it's the killing meets the straights. Except that I think that sounds terrible. Right, doesn't it? Yeah. I would and say it's like Twin Peaks, but there's no supernatural element, even though I keep waiting for there to be one. Like, it feels like at any minute the supernatural element will kick into it. I'm no fan of Jane Campion. And this is the first time that I have uh, really enjoyed a story that she has told. This is uh, a story about 
the bad things that happen in a in a small town. It's kind of like a Daniel Woodrell novel, uh, in, in that it is it is so intimate and so understanding of every single character in there. Every single character has pretty strong motivation uh, about what they're doing and and why they're doing it. And I suppose one of the one of the benefits of this being. Uh, Jane Campion with other people so she's not directing every episode she's not uh, writing every episode by herself she has she has a co-writer is that that heavy handedness is maybe pulled back a little bit it teeters from time to time do you, do you find her a heavy handed director Jane Campion yeah. oh so much so because I, I actually felt this this just felt like her stuff and then it has this weird dreamlike quality to it I find often the characters react in ways that don't really necessarily make sense to me but they make sense in the world of the show that I'm watching uh, even down to there's some editing which I think might actually be mistakes but I can't really tell there's a really odd bit where Tui shows up at her horse at Paradise at the refuge and then the immediate next scene is Tui with her horse somewhere else and one of the women's saying why don't you come back to the refuge with that me was weird, yes. and when she comes back everyone's in different clothes yeah. and you're going so that scene is presumably from the day before or and there's, like, there's quite a bit of that goes on where you you get a very strange sort of like time's just been sort of smudged all over the show but it, but but that kind of works but to me that that feels very Jane Campion-y in a way yeah i feel it's uh I don't know. I don't. I, I was expecting to hate it. I was mm-hmm. expecting to hate this show because I find Jane Campion so tedious. A large part of it is because of the film In the Cut, which I think is oh, that's terrible. That is that is truly bad. David and Margaret, five stars. What the hell were you thinking? Uh, no, I'm still angry at them for that. Still angry. And there were people around me. I couldn't get out. I was trapped in the cinema. It's like, have you never watched a terrible made-for-television '90s thriller before? Because that's what this is. And I was, I, I, was thinking that I, would, I was thinking that I would be uh, distracted by Elizabeth Moth's accent, uh, which is... I think it's interesting. It, it is all over the place. Yeah. It's not... The funny thing is, she doesn't sound American. No. <laughs> so, ten points there. Yeah, she, she, she almost never sounds American, except for one scene where she's acting drunk. And her character is meant to have lived in Sydney for a bit. And, and we were saying if she'd only said had lived in the UK for a bit, I think they would have got away with it completely. Yeah. I think you would have gone, yep, no problems with that. But it's still, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's, it's not nobody as distracting as one would expect yes. Elizabeth Moss doing a, an Antipodean accent to be. Uh, I, I, find it, I find it really watchable. It is, it is very slow. It is, uh, it is very much about the... Uh, the characters themselves and their lives and the the case is largely secondary the crimes are largely secondary which i think it it definitely has over and above the killing the the killing is all about the crimes and then all the personal stuff is is over the top and and a pain in the ass uh the i mean it, it there are similarities but i but not in the watchability of it it is a really watchable show, and I, I want to know more about certain characters. Robin Nevin uh, excellently plays uh, uh, plays the mother of Robin Griffin, uh, and uh, you know she's she's recovering from cancer and doesn't know what she wants from the rest of her life. Kind of thinks that she wants to spend some time with her daughter, who is constantly running off to try to solve this this crime. Robin Nevin's character is just so torn up 
inside and and you get this from tiny glimpses it is amazing the 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 level of detail i think in it like even down to the the town has the little cafe that's run by kids as a kind of a community service thing to get a barista everything just felt to improve their attitudes basically yeah but it was just so much there's so much like like depth in that whole town um, that, yeah, like you're saying, it's kind of funny because not really a lot happens, I don't think, possibly ever. I suspect it might be the show where nothing really ever happens. But like you're saying, it's really captivating. It looks incredible. We didn't mention the cinematography is amazing. Yeah. It's just the most beautiful show to watch. The opening credits are gorgeous. And yeah. not too long. No, but they just, yeah, both times, because I've seen two episodes, they come out and go, oh, look at them, they're so pretty. And I was just, yeah, really enjoying it. And, and they're done in, in the style of a painting of a waterfall, um, which, which I think is reflected in the way that it's shot. Just it's, it's like watching a moving art piece with all the, the landscapes and stuff that, that are uh, included. Yeah, in well, it's, it's funny because you said the killing meets the straights, and, and I have this list of, yeah, again, things it reminded me of, but they're all things I don't like, like... Um, uh, Somersault, the movie, and uh, is it Jindabyne? Is that the one about yep. the... And all these things which I didn't really think worked, and I was reminded of all of them with this show, except this show is Because they're working. kind of rural, mountainous settings? Also, that the kind of quietness and the idea of, of uh, people's lives and possibly small lives, you know, trying to look into into what's propelling these people along. But normally I just find that stuff incredibly tedious. Uh, whereas this, I've, I, I like the fact Holly Hunter playing uh, GJ, who I hate. I just hate her as a character in a way I'm really enjoying it, and I think she wants me to. I think she... I think Holly Hunter is trying to annoy me with that character, and oh, she and is. Um, absolutely. Yeah, and completely and, and humorless. She, Such a humorless character. She's like a psychic guru type. Yeah, well, she's, you know, she's, she's nothing... She, she, yeah, she's what she is. Don't she picks up on people's vibes yeah, and says... You know, which, H- how are your knees? <laughs> well, there's a great story at the beginning where one of them is telling telling uh, one of the the guys who thought they owned the the property about you know the bad place she came from, and it's just so tedious, and it goes on and on, and I just yeah, I love that about her chimp, but yeah, <laughs> that's that's Anita, who I think is such a magnificent character, and again, I'm gonna say she's from Outrageous Fortune, so we have there a Kiwi character, a character playing. A not entirely convincing American act. Actually. She's the matriarch in, in Outrageous Fortune. Yeah, yeah. And I think her, while her American accent isn't uh, isn't spot on, her characterization oh, of brilliant. this woman is extraordinary. Yeah, absolutely. And such a such a pleasure to watch this this woman who is so annoying. So, and she's one of these people who repeats the end of a sentence back to you. And she yes. does that so well. Just this tiny, quiet, repeating, like it's like she's listening, but she's not really listening. And yes, she's been attacked by her chimp. It is weird. There is basically nothing in this show that I should like, and I, I found it completely captivating. Um, I'll, I'll happily watch all of it. I don't expect anything to happen. I think it'll take me a while to get through it. I'm not going to... You know, I can't imagine even trying to watch two episodes in a row. I think it's going to be a thing I'm going to have to... But they're not, they're not long episodes. Oh, like, they're an hour. Like the first one was... Are they really? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, like, they're, they're... Completely flew for me. Oh, no. I went the other way. I found them... Not... not they didn't drag, like the, the, but, the, but they are... Yeah. The first one was a big one, but then... The first, uh, the, the first one was actually a, a double episode, technically. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. 
That makes more sense. Uh, so the, the second one is short. I think the first one is like an hour and 20, mm-hmm. and the second one's about 55 minutes. And those relationships and, and, and as the episodes go on, kind of getting to know different sides of the personalities, just, they are just so deep. Uh, it, who's, who's the patriarch in the... Uh, Mitchum, Matt Mitchum, Peter Mullen, who... Who's just a, a complete hard-ass and, and almost almost like David Wenham in The Boys, that, that kind of just asshole character. But then you've, you've got this sequence of scenes in, in the third episode where you, you get a completely different side. But, there, but there then are, he snaps back. There are all sorts of moments with him that are really interesting. Yeah, yeah and yeah. with all of them, these kind of very strange little little moments. And yeah, it, it's very dreamlike. And even the sound, there's not a lot of music. When there is, it tends to be very subdued. How, how many episodes is it slated for? Uh, seven. Seven episodes all up. And Are we going to find out the result of the, the, the disappearance by the I, end of it? So or is it going to be like I, the killing? I wouldn't be... be and this thing, I wouldn't be at all surprised if it never resolves the crime aspect which, ever. Which is, the way, which is the way that Twin Peaks was supposed to go. Right. right Twin Peaks was never supposed to solve that, mm-hmm. that murder. It was just supposed to be an entry into these people's lives yeah. that kind of tapered off as we... Uh, as as we continued in, and also there's that that interesting kind of mystical quality of the lake itself, the, of it of it having well, some weird power. It was a bit where they mentioned there's a story about uh, a, a creature or a spirit living underneath the lake, yeah, and that's because yeah. the whole thing feels like a weird supernatural Twin Peaksy kind of thing, and just that idea that there is that spookiness, that weird ethereal quality to New Zealand generally, and these amazing shots in this where the landscape is basically saying, fuck off, which is what the New Zealand landscape says to people. It says, you're not wanted here, go away. This is, this is, this is not for you. Yeah. <laughs> Wellington is no place for a city. <laughs> exactly. You, sh- you should have known better. The, uh, I-, I watched it on the Foxtel Go app, uh, the, the first two episodes because I missed them on air. It's uh, it's airing on UK TV here and also in New Zealand after the ABC pulled funding. ABC pulled funding because when Elizabeth Moss originally that that role was meant to be played by um, Anna Paquin, and she was pregnant. And yeah, Elizabeth Moss filled in. And the ABC, I think, and look, and I kind of get a bit of this. I think they probably realised at that point there was no justification for them having money in this production at David all. Wenham. David Webben, well, well, yeah, Robin Nevin. They're all playing Kiwis, though. That's something. There's no, there is no particular Australian element to this at all. And I think maybe it was only when an American got cast in that role they realised that in fact there was nothing that that had linked but this... Australian taxpayers to it. This way, I understand why they pulled out. It's basically I can say, yeah, no, that's. I think that's fair enough, uh, and I'm glad that. Yeah. But it would have been such good value for money for everybody. Oh, absolutely. Everybody to be able yeah. to see it. Yeah. It is funny that it's a it's a multinational multinational co production which seems to have virtually no New Zealand money in it, which is kind of it, it is. Uh, well, it's yeah, it's UK TV, uh, BBC, and Sundance. That's uh, that that is top of the lake, or as I've been calling it, Australia's next top lake. <laughs> like, you can yeah. see it Sunday nights on. Uh, on UK TV on Foxtel, uh, or if you're in the US on Sundance. If you're in New Zealand, you can also see it on UK TV. Uh, and if uh, in New Zealand it is on Monday nights, in Australia it is on Sunday nights, and in the US it is Monday nights, but six days ahead. So it's 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 showing in the US first, showing in Australia six days later, and showing in New Zealand one week after it airs in in the US. Uh, it is. Uh, we we all like it. That's a that's a, quite unusual. Yeah. That is a rare thing. And if you've missed it, and you do have Foxtel, and you do have an iPad, you can watch it on the Foxtel Go. 
app. Hi, this is Jim Shembury from The Age newspaper. Just telling you all to listen to Box Cutters if it's the last thing you do. Josh, Brett and John are the most informed, entertaining, funniest guys you'll ever hear over a pod. I still don't know what podcasting is, but apparently if you go onto the ARPANET, you can, you can get it. The ARPANET. Oh, the internet. I'm sorry. That was the old word for it. Yes. Box Cutters. Listen up. It's great. Not from the age anymore, Jim. Now he's from the Herald Sun. Well, temporarily. So, during the uh, Loki presentation, they... Uh... <laughs> so, even, even that sentence... I mean, Millie, coming out of Jim Shembury doesn't help. But even that sentence, you just... The, the tiredness in your voice. Adam Hills... Uh, Adam Hills uh, talked about mental illness in a jokey way. He talked about... The actors nominated for either Best Supporting Actor in a Series or Best Actor in a Series or something as all being mentally ill, but uh, talked about them being nutters and uh, and then said, so the Logie nominee for the nom- nominees for Most Mental Actor, uh, which made me think... Oh, I don't think Sane Australia is going to be very happy about that. Like, it, it was really talking about mental illness in, in an offhand uh, and, and uh, uh, dismissive way. Shane Bourne did a tight five on Alzheimer's and did jokes about Alzheimer's disease basically just to the audience. Like he was for no reason making jokes about Alzheimer's. Maybe it was contextual, maybe I missed that bit, but it just seemed strange. And uh, there was there was there was a third thing there was a third thing that was vaguely national, like against against a certain nation of, of people. I just it just struck me that no one really cares. No one really cares about what they're doing. They pretend that it's important, but they're more interested in the jokes than the reverence. So even the people who are presenting and not revering the the night or the awards or the people who are being rewarded for doing good work, nobody is seeing television as a job. They're seeing it as a fun time, as a party, and it it seems to me like people dancing as the Titanic goes down. To play devil's avocado, again, though, on mm. that, could it be that we see the AFI Awards, because I refuse to call it that stupid name they gave it afterwards, is that the AFI Awards are seen as the proper serious awards for television that genuinely reflect? I mean, and maybe the Logies is meant to be a party. Like It's, it's held by a, a mass market magazine, it's meant to be glitzy. It often has random celebrities from other countries shoved into it for no reason. Is, is that not one of the things maybe the Logies could be? But you can't have it both ways. You can't expect people to take it seriously and then basically turn up in thongs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is... It's a problem that I see reflected throughout the, throughout the, uh, throughout the industry. If we look at why, uh, why shows are pulled off air after only a couple of episodes, it's because nobody's turning up to actually do their job. No one's... Uh, you know, people are trying. They're trying to do their jobs. 
but other people are just trying to keep their jobs and other people are just trying to do the minimum work possible to get by in their jobs. Uh, and this goes all the way down from Lachlan Murdoch, who has no idea how to, how to run a TV station, trying to run a TV station, but not really trying. He thinks he can run it like a regular business rather than running it like a, like a TV station, uh, through to the people presenting at the Logies who are giving a presentation, but they're just trying to get the laughs. And this was the messiest Logies I have seen in a very long time. And the fact that it didn't finish until 12.30 and, uh, and well past the embargo on the, uh, on the Gold Logie announcement... I think is is testament to that. This is this is about people not caring about the jobs that they're doing. And if they don't want to do good jobs, then why why should we care? Why should we watch their shows? They can't they can't whinge about us not watching their shows if they're not taking stuff seriously. That's that's the thought that I had during it. It was very strange. It left me with a really bad taste in my mouth. A, a little bit of well, everyone deserves what they get kind of feeling. Especially having, I watched episode three of uh, of Top of the Lake, and it was so good, and so much work had gone into it, and it was so obvious. And then to watch this piece of crap that we've produced, how can anybody be proud of that? They're my thoughts on the Logies. Hello, hi. What are you doing? What a wonderful day! Time to get box cutting, everyone. Let's podcast. Hurrah! I I would love Brant. I would love Bit of a, a green a green fruit mm-hmm. a, a green fruit that I can spread on toast and then put some chili on it. You know what I call that? What do you call it, Josh? Devil's avocado. Devil's avocado comes to us today from David Boxcutter and Paul Boxcutter. Now, this, actually, this came in a while back on the um, on the blog. I actually thought it was a really interesting comment. We never got around to reading it in the the letter section. So I and and. After Glenn said, hey, devil's avocado, it's a thing, I thought (laughs) this would make a good segment. So here we go. A little bit long, so we'll go with this. David says, so the comments on how terrible Channel 10 is, what am I missing? What makes Channel 10 so much worse than 9 or 7? From everything I've seen, 7 and 9 are just as bad, if not worse. Is the 7.30 project really worse than the current affair of Today Tonight? Is Australian Idol worse than Dancing with the Stars? I genuinely don't understand why Channel 10 is dismissed as obviously worse than the other stations. It may be less popular, but the quality of the programming seems to be mostly on par with the others. I suppose my comments mostly stem from Glenn's comment that Channel 10 makes, quote, great promotions for crap shows. Is this worse than the other channels making crap promotions for crap shows? And Paul Boxcutter added, Yeah, I wonder what all this Channel 10 doom and gloom was about. I might be on my own here, but I thought the Brush, Offspring, Mystery and Mrs. Murder were pretty good shows. Certainly on par, if not way better than House Husbands and Pack the Rafters, in my opinion. So this is the thing, because uh, Channel 10, it's been brought up, and, and, and we, and by we, I mean Pew 2, have, have mocked it quite a bit when talking about a lot of things that's going on recently. So this is, this is the question. Is Channel 10 worse than the others? I, I I might just kick off by saying that I haven't particularly put the burden to Channel 10. They have been the one having the issues recently. Um, but as far as content, I, I certainly haven't been really going them. But people have, haven't they? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been for distinctly sure. a... For sure. um, MasterChef was just a disaster for them with the ratings up against MKR. Yet yeah, was it worse than MKR? It was a disaster for them with viewers. I think I think MK, I think uh, MasterChef was a much better show than than MKR. MasterChef uh, Professionals was was better than My Kitchen Rules this year. Uh, that that being said, the the criticisms that we have on cha- uh, on Channel Ten 
aren't really about their programming because, right, the, the programming is all shit. Across the board, programming is, is shit. I think things like Mr. and Mrs. Murder is... Uh, I was speaking to, to somebody who works in the industry the, the other night and, uh, and she was saying Mr. and Mrs. Murder is now is risk-taking for, uh, for, for a network and, and 10 is doing that. They're, they're taking a bit of a risk. With a, a show that is kind of like Good Guys, Bad Guys, uh, and still manages to be a, a murder mystery. Right? So you're saying that it shouldn't be a risk at all? Is that what you're saying? No, no, I'm saying it's about bloody time that uh, that uh, that networks took a risk. I'm saying it doesn't seem like a very big risk. Yes, it's it's not it's it's not a huge risk. You know, it's it's not it's not like Danger Five, mm-hmm. right? Which would never ever come on. Uh, a free-to-air network. But imagine if it did. Imagine how popular something like Danger 5 would be if it came onto uh, a free-to-air well, commercial network. Sorry. And, and yet Let the Blood and Free was on commercial networks back yes. in the days. And, and that, that, in many ways, I would say, was the equivalent to Danger 5. It, it was a very strange was, and risk-taking and very smart show. Hugely risk-taking. Failed. But hugely risky. Two seasons, though. That's pretty impressive. But only because of Germany. Yeah. Because the, the, the second season, Channel 10, did not put anywhere near as, as much money into. Mm-hmm. But uh, th- that being said, yes, they took that risk then. I, I suppose the criticisms are, are now and the criticisms are of Channel 10 because they were, they were our hope. They were our hope for the future. Okay. Because this thing, because I remember at the time when these these films were made, because we were on this show mocking Channel 10. Like, everyone was mocking Channel 10, and we were mocking Channel 10. And I remember at the time thinking, that's a little bit unreasonable, because we're mocking them for not being popular, but not necessarily for being bad. Everyone else was sort of saying they were bad. Obviously, these shows were bad. Obviously, Everybody Dance Now was bad. And that was the thing. Yeah, I watched Everybody Dance Now, and I went, it's fine. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, Channel 10 gets mocked because, because they make decisions like axing the circle. Mm-hmm. They had a popular show that was, you know, not terrible, but not uh, not groundbreaking, but enjoyed by its viewers. And and they cancelled it for no good reason. So in some ways, apart from the the political dodginess that we think goes into things like The Circle and the uh, Andrew, Andrew Bolt show, whatever it's called, get bolted, that you're actually saying it's because Channel 10 were better at one point. Like we we held we held them to a higher standard. Yeah, it's like when I when I criticize a Coen Brothers film when I when I see a Coen Brothers film that I don't like, it's still a good film, but it's not, uh, it's not Barton Fink, right? They have set a standard for themselves that I I think they should constantly reach for. And in the industry in general, do you think with a lot of the Channel Ten bashing, it really was? Just a relief. I think it was a bit of Schadenfreude. Yeah, so I'm thinking because a lot of people I think were were bashing ten, knowing that ten's programming was was n- no worse. Well, yeah, than theirs. 12, twelve months before, from a from a corporate kind of perspective, Channel Nine were were in a similar position because they their their parent company didn't have the money to to keep it going. And and Channel Nine were a, a a butt of jokes on this show for much longer than Channel Ten has been. Channel Nine are funnier though, to yeah. be fair. Yeah, House Husbands. So House Husbands is still a show. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, no, still a thing. Yeah. 
Oh, I was on a panel at Acme. They played a clip from it. Look nice. <laughs> Watch, watching the Locust, I went, oh, so House Husbands is a show. And Julia Morris is on it. Interesting. I had no idea. Because I pay no attention to Channel 9 anymore. Because they, they spent so many years just trying to get rid of me as a viewer mm-hmm. that they succeeded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Channel 7 as well has no interest in me or my kind. Larry Postman, I have a letter from you. Did you read it? You're a godsend. Savior. No, I'm, I'm just the postman. The postman. The postman. The postman. Brett Crapley, we're running out of time, so can you say this one very quickly? Hi, I'm listening to episode 332 about a second screen apps. The ideal second screen app does exist. There's a Dutch network, SBS6, that has an iPad, iPhone app that has real-time voting, maps, and general content, photos, text, etc. There's some sports integration too, but I haven't dealt much with that. There is Facebook-Twitter integration, but it's not at all the focus of the app. Spoiler alert! <laughs> I had a part of the production. Whee! Part forever. Lol, 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 that was from uh, Joshua May. Uh, thank, thank you, thank you, Joshua, for uh, making Brett do that. Uh, <laughs> Hang on, yeah, ma- maps, maps. That was just part of that. So they could be. Yeah. So, uh, so he showed he showed a, a, an image, a, a screenshot from the from the application, uh, and it's a news item that shows on a map where the thing happened. Oh. Oh, so you can go and see where the house burnt down. Yes. The <laughs> house used to be here yeah. and now is just ashes. Okay. Free ashes at 64. <laughs> uh, so that's I, I think that I think that's a really interesting app and that's that's the sort of thing that Con was talking about a, a few weeks ago mm-hmm. where the opportunities are there to to have something like that. Uh, and uh, can we have uh, one more from JM Hi all, I've just listened to your most recent Bechdel test episode. It's awesome that you guys covered this and the discussion was really interesting. But you did seem to flail a bit when you were trying to articulate some reasons the test is valuable. I don't think anybody claims it as any kind of ultimate test of the feminism or sexism of the show. It's not just about seeing more female characters who care about things other than romance or just about getting more female characters in general. Shows in which one amazing woman interacts only with men, or in which three female characters never talk to each other, imply that the shows believe the most important relationships women can have are with men. It's so common for shows to fail the Bechdel test that we don't even notice it's weird that what we're watching isn't showing us women talking to women about all the things that women talk about, which is all the things that humans talk about. The Bechdel test points out that it's weird. Thanks, JM. Thanks, JM. Yep, I think that, well that puts everything into perspective. It is weird. <laughs> if you watch one thing. If I was going to watch one thing this week, it would be the Logies that I taped over and over again, because now it's the only way I can get off. Wow, that's terrifying. Uh, actually, actually, no. It would be it would be top of the lake because it's extraordinary. Top yeah. of the lake, UK TV Sunday nights. Yep, fair point. Um, I'm going to be watching Lick the Bin. It's hosted by <laughs> David Lawson. It's on Channel Ten. No, no, that's not real, is it? It's not real. <laughs> it felt so real last week, and I just thought David Lawson's set for a decade now. He'll be doing Lick the Bin. 
Celebrity Lick the Bin, which is weird because it's already a celebrity show. Family Lick, Family the, lick bin. the Bin. Oh, International Lick the Bin. Oh, I'd be terrible. Terrible. Um, that was alarming. When he came out and licked the bin, it just, it, just, it just made me lose faith in humanity just a little. You know? Yeah. If you don't know about Lick the Bin, go on this in the last episode. It's, it's, it'll frighten you all over again. Actually, no, Mad Men is back. Mad, I know I'm the only person on the show who loves Mad Men, but I love it. That's fair. Oh, yeah, I, just, I just find it sad that it's such a great program, and none of you have come with me on this Mad Men journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, Somebody, somebody's yeah. going to try and tell that to the wire, John. Tell that to the wire. No, I said, but you're like, oh, the wire, I love the wire. I'm going to kiss the wire and have little wire babies. But yeah, Mad Men, which I think is much better. You do, oh, no, no, Mad Men, ooh, frocks, ooh, 60s, ooh, slow. Ooh. Little so, wire. Babies heard a lot coming so, out. So, yeah, they would. So yeah, Mad Men is back, uh, and it plays uh, on various channels in various places. This is the final season, isn't it? No, didn't I hear that? I don't I think, think I so. Did. I think there'll be one more. I take that back. This is this is, is the season where Mr. White finally gets caught. This 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 is the season that was confirmed at the same time as the last. No season. spoilers, Josh. <laughs> Basically, two seasons were, were given the go-ahead at the one time, and this is the second of those. So it might just be that, that it was, they were both given the go-ahead, like, two years ago or something like yeah. that. But, yeah. Yeah. but no, I think, there'll, I think there'll be one more. My one thing is any episode of season three of Game of Thrones, and it is especially uh, 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 enhanced by a little uh, podcast called Cast of Thrones, which uh, is is uh, put out by a very knowledgeable team of people who uh, most of them have read the books and they explain the scenes and they go through it scene by scene with no spoilers for what's coming up. Did I tell you about when I was talking to Jane Espenson about her episode? And I said, so Jane, what was it like writing Game of Thrones? Did I tell you? No. No, no, no you didn't. No. You didn't at all. Um, she said, the, I found this bizarre, she said they basically just said, oh yeah, it's pages 38 through to 116. Like, but she basically got told oh, the page numbers. And that was it, and she just had to turn that yep. into... Absolutely. That was it. That's how close it is to the book. They just get told which chunk of the book they're doing. And that was what she had to do. But they, they have put scenes in, and they've taken scenes out from them. Oh, yeah, and I'm sure there's... But, but she was basically saying that it, it didn't seem to be like any other kind of you know, writer's room scenario. It mm. seemed to be like, they're like, no, no, we're just following this along, and then we'll alter it if we have to or whatever. But it, it, it was that straightforward. Which I thought was quite fascinating. It's, it's, and you love Game of Thrones, don't you? You, you, you think it's? I think either it's love it or I think it's terrible. It depends on which show it is, and and I'm usually not here when it's discussed. So yeah, yeah my opinion changes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm the Schrodinger's you, cat. You still, of, of you still never, I've still, still never, never seen, seen it. it. No. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters, pod, cast, done. Pork is on the table. So Brett talked about his uh, his podcast about Game of Thrones. John, you've you've got another podcast. I do. Yes, Splendid Chaps. Uh, we have two shows for Comedy Festival. We did we did one the other day with uh, the lovely Paul Verhoeven and the lovely Dave Callan. Dave Callan, incidentally, at the moment looking an awful lot like the um, the scary patriarch from Top of the Lake. So when he first showed up, I went, "Look, it's Dave Callan." Oh, no, uh, we have a stand up Dalek. We we have a, a trio performing a song at the end. It's pretty awesome. The show actually. So we've got one more show. If you're in Melbourne, ten forty five. April 13th, Trades Hall, Adam Richard, and a UK comedian. And I'll tell you who she is. I don't, I don't know why. It's a comedy festival thing. Um, I should also mention, while we're splendid chapping as well, that May 4th, 
We're doing a special event at the Northcote Library as part of Geek Week. It's May 4th because it's May the 4th. It's, it's, be weird. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, Star hashtag Star Trek. Enjoy the 4th of May. Hashtag Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's uh, one about Doctor Who and books. Uh, and Lawrence Lunn is going to be part of that as our special performance guest from, from the two shows that he did. Uh, TV oh. shows. TV. There you go. To put TV into it. Uh, so that'll be really fun as well. And you can find all the details at splendidchaps.com. 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 Say it three times, I'll remember it. Splendidchaps.com. Now, as a, as a very interesting uh, uh, juxtaposition between uh, how shows are treated, new shows are treated these days, and now uh, how easily they're just uh, axed, there's an excellent interview with uh, former NBC executive Warren Littlefield on Jesse Thorne's Bullseye podcast. Um, he, was, uh, he was very much involved with Cheers and with Seinfeld, both of which tested terribly and had shithouse ratings and became two of the biggest uh, comedy shows that... that uh, it was their first seasons, wasn't it? Where, yeah. where both did quite badly. Yeah. W- will you yeah. actually send me a link to, to that? Totally. Brent? Yep. I'll do it right now. Good. I have uh, a new podcast. You do. Everyone's podcasting. I know. You're on a podcast, promoting a podcast. It's a bit weird, uh, isn't it? It's a little little bit weird. This one is all about design and how designers can try to be better designers. Now, will I enjoy it? Because I'm looking forward to listening to it. But but is it is it going to be a bit higher end? Like it's it's for it's for real designers, isn't it? For people who it's for real designers for people who who work in design. But it's also for people who want to. Uh, who want to deal with designers mm-hmm. so anyone who might have to hire a designer for uh, for work that they're doing oh. or someone who is just interested in how people get their jobs done uh, so the the first episode which is an episode zero because I've taken a leaf out of the Splendid Chaps book well the weird thing is we did an episode zero and then I discovered that uh, I think it was Verity which is a, a really good new feminist Doctor Who podcast had also done an episode zero it's just a thing people are doing episode zeros now so it, yeah. it's taken from the comic books because comic books often do an issue zero as a as as a pre-release, uh, mm. which is which is fun, and uh, we did a, a live show uh, last week uh, at Feldman's, a, a bar in Melbourne, and uh, interviewed uh, the lovely uh, Elise Pyrenee, who is the event coordinator for Melbourne Music Week, and spoke to her about being a client. Uh, and dealing with designers to to try to get a, a design made. It's a little twenty five minute that uh, that you can download at thenudge.com.au. au. So what's it called again? It's called the Nudge. And, and where can, is it? Thenudge.com.au. Thenudge.com.au. Yeah, thenudge.com.au. Yeah. Can I subscribe in iTunes? Just search for the Nudge. I don't know if that's propagated yet. Okay. It, ha- it hasn't. Eventually. Shortly. It yeah. will. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually, if you search for The Nudge, you will find it. Mm-hmm. And there will be an iTunes link on the blog there at thenudge.com.au Fantastic. as well. Can't so you can listen to thenudge.com.au. You can listen to splendidchaps.com. Or you can listen to one of those foreign ones that Brett wants you to listen to. Yeah. Now, uh, our very good friends at Triple R are doing their April amnesty. If you're not a subscriber, you can subscribe and go into the running for prizes. Ooh. Check out RRR. .org.au for more details on that. Uh, I'd heartily endorse them. Did you say heartily or hardly? Heartily endorse them. both. I've got one more thing. Yes. Which, you know, where it gives it or not. We Shut never up. have this much for. No, this never. Is uh, this is actually because the other day you guys were reviewing the following. And you kept saying, like, the following stars Kevin Bacon. Yes. And then I'd wait for what it was. 
Oh, no, no, it's, it's the following. Yes. It, it, just, it just felt endlessly like you were about to tell me the name of the show and you never did, which got me looking up who's on first, the, um, <laughs> the Abbott and Costello. And, and I just wanted to read this. It's from the, the, from the Wikipedia entry for the, for the, the classic Abbott and Costello um, comedy routine, Who's on First? Who's on First is a comedy routine made famous by Abbott and Costello. In Abbott and Costello's version, the premise of a routine is that Abbott is identifying the players on a baseball team to Costello, but their names and nicknames can be interpreted as non-responsive answers to Costello's questions. In this context, the first baseman is named Who, thus the utterance Who's on First is ambiguous between the question Which person is the first baseman and the answer The name of the first baseman is Who. And that's one of my favourite things I've ever read on Wikipedia. <laughs> I, I wish it had gone on and explained the entire routine to me. See, Jim Shambri's picture uh, <laughs> explaining jokes has yeah, come to yeah. Probably written by Shambri. He's had some spare time. <laughs> That brings us to the end of a very enjoyable box cut. If I say so myself, I, I loved it. Box cutters episode three hundred and thirty-six. I want to say thanks to all the wonderful people who I saw uh, at the weekend, and I'm sorry that I've just uh, said terrible things about your industry. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week, same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Box Cutters is produced by Josh Canal with Brett Crockley and John Richards and help from Courtney Hocking and Dave Lawson. John Richards edited this episode. Peter Wilson from Soup Giant is the man behind making sure you can actually download stuff. He's good that way. We'd like to thank 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world, for letting us use their studios to record this podcast. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you listen to radio the old-fashioned way. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can show your appreciation by leaving a positive review on iTunes or maybe just telling some friends what they're missing out on. You can also donate actual cash money to us by using the donate button at the top of our website. Donating helps keep the show alive and makes us smile. Our website is boxcutters.net and you can find all sorts of ways to contact us there. No, don't hurt me! Don't hurt me! I didn't mean to say all those terrible things about your industry! Don't hurt me! Don't hurt me! With that horrible smile on your face! Why? Why are you such a smiling gentleman trying to hurt me? Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.